You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Businesses Influencer Marketing Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Danielle Liss. Each week, we will help you unlock the secrets of influencer marketing through interviews with leading professionals and tips and tricks to help you scale your business. Sit back, grab a coffee, and let's talk all things influencer marketing. Hey, this is Jamie. And this is Danielle. And welcome to the Business Ease Influencer Marketing Podcast, episode 44. Today, I am very excited because we have Eric Nagel from Respo Ventures on, and he is going to be talking about all things business acquisition, which is kind of a new topic for us. I think it's a new topic here on the podcast, but I am hearing so much about this, both from our legal clients, but also in Facebook groups. I see a lot of people who are really interested in selling their blogs or trying to find out a little bit more about what it takes to get your business sellable, sell-worthy, purchase-worthy. <laughs> I don't know the right word to use. <laughs> yeah. No, we've definitely had a bunch of clients who are um, selling blogs and it's kind of a cool experience to be on both sides, both on the side of the acquisition, the acquirer <laughs> and those being acquired. But then that sort of made me think about like, what kind of business do I want to acquire? And I feel like it would have to do with fashion or accessories. <laughs> what kind? Be more specific. <laughs> oh, I mean, come on. Purses. Yep. That's what I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, which be specific, which of your dream companies do you want? Who do you want to own so that you can have all the bags? Oh my gosh. That's so hard. It's like picking a favorite child. I, I know. Can't, I can't do that. I can't just like, I don't tell my children which one's the favorite. <laughs> yeah. You just change the ranking every day. I understand. It's like every hour, actually. <laughs> you've moved into favorite. No, you have. I don't like either of you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I don't know. I think like, I think I'd want to own almost every Chloe bag. So I would like to acquire Chloe who I'm pretty sure is owned by LVMH. So it would be no, no small feat, but you know, if we're dreaming, how about you? I think that you can do it, Jamie. I think that you can't have these limiting beliefs around the acquisition that you can make so that you can have some purses. I shall manifest it. Exactly. <laughs> Work on that. Talk to the universe. Make it happen. Um, I think that I see my gut instinct is to say something book related, but I can't think of a specific acquisition that I would want there. So I'm probably going to have to say hmm, candy store of some sort. Like one of those fun. Um, have you ever been in Rocket Fizz? No. Is it like um, Dylan's Candy Bar kind of thing? I don't know. I don't know that I've ever been in Dylan's Candy Bar, but it's like it's totally it's kind of um, retro. Like they have all the old candies 
and they have um because i'm in vegas but i'm originally from jersey for people who don't know and they have like the regional stuff like it's the only place that i can get my very beloved peanut shoes Uh, i i love peanut shoes Girl, they are the best candy ever. And it's hilarious because every time I find them and I get all giddy about it, my husband's like, whatever, they're fine. And then he takes one and he's like, I always forget how good these are. And I'm like, I haven't because you used to be able to go to Wawa and at the register, they would have where you could buy one peanut chew. I remember remember that. that. Oh, heck yeah. I totally remember. Well, you know, what's crazy. Peanut chews were kosher when I was a kid. And so they were one of the only candies I could buy at the synagogue for Hebrew school. See, I'm just so happy with it. That's who I'm going to acquire. I'm going to acquire peanut chews. (laughs) I love it. Who owns them? It's it's Goldberg's peanut chews. Is that right? Yes. Yes. But I don't know what company, like, I don't know if they're owned by like some other candy conglomerate. Like, I'm hoping I don't have to fully acquire Mars or something like that. Because that (laughs) seems (laughs) a lot of red tape there. But if it means that I get the peanut chews at the end of the day. Mm, I'd be pretty happy. They're so delicious. I got I got to go find some peanut chews for you and bring them to you. I would be so happy. Right. And I'll seriously, I'll just sit there like a tiny, very, very happy child who just got like the best toy ever as a present. I'll be like, my peanut chews. You'll be like, okay. <laughs> I will fully understand it. Like, There's no judgment. I'll be like, you go in your, you go over there and you hang out with your peanut chews. I got that. Totally I will. Do. And I'll be like posting them everywhere. And every time I do it and everybody's like, who cares about your candy? And I'm like, stop it. You don't know me at all. I didn't know you couldn't get them by you. They're rare. Um, They're not. They are definitely more regional. But like I said, Rocket Fizz has like all of that stuff. Like they have all kinds of old school, random, delightful candies. And they also have like, have you ever been in one of those stores that has like the weird flavored sodas? No, like what? Oh, God. Oh, Jamie, they're awful. They have like ranch dressing soda. They have like pickle juice soda. For real, it's a thing. I know, right? I know. And so, of course, whenever we see them, we like buy them for the teenagers who are just like, you guys are stupid. (laughs) Here, take your pickle soda. And they'll always try it just because like everybody gets curious enough. But there are really weird, weird flavors. Angel was talking about that on his episode when he talked about representing and working with Jones Soda. They apparently do some crazy uh, flavors. And that I think is the first I had heard of that. So this is the second time crazy flavored sodas has been brought up on the podcast. I know this sounds crazy, but I am 98% sure that I am not making this up. There was like a people's court type reference on one of the sodas, like Judge Wapner. People's court. Like, I have to try to find that. I really hope I'm not making that up and sounding just like I had some really weird dream. But I swear to you that it was a thing. That's so funny. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. That is hilarious. Well, I feel like now that we've discussed the food and the purses, we should introduce (laughs) Eric because probably it's what we love. So let me tell everyone a little bit more about Eric. Eric Nagel is a business savvy technology executive who is a partner at Rustbelt, and he has experience in programming and online marketing going back to 1999. He is passionate about developing applications that allow businesses, teams, and individuals to achieve their goals through automated tools and access to actionable data. And now let's get right into the interview. I am so excited to be here today with Eric Nagel of Rustbelt. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, we're excited. So I have known Eric a little while now, um, and I'm really interested in some of the things that you're doing at Rustbuilt, you and your partner, Rachel. Tell us a little bit about Rustbuilt. Yeah, so Rustbuilt is um, a little over a year old, and the name comes from the fact that I'm in Buffalo, New York, and Rachel, my partner, is in Detroit, Michigan. So this area, including you know, in between Cleveland and a little south in Pittsburgh, is known as the Rust Belt. So we played off that name, and because we like to build things, we went with Rust Built. Rust Built right now is a digital marketing agency, but we also um, acquire other businesses and assets. The the one that's probably most known to your listeners is the Type A Parent Conference. We had acquired the assets of that right before the event in D.C., the fall of 2017. We also, in the first quarter of 2018 this year, we purchased Resourceful Mommy, brought up another partner into that. And our, I guess we're running a mommy blog, although I mean, that's the best way to describe it, although you know, it's not really what a lot of people like to call it, I guess. <laughs> it's true. So yeah, that is actually how we first met. I mean, I think a lot of our listeners know my incredibly long history with type A and those conferences and, and how much I love those events. And I was so excited when you and Rachel came in and acquired the assets of that business and were able to keep some a version of it going, although now I feel like it's your version. But I'd love to talk about the process of how you go about acquiring businesses. I have seen in my practice quite an increase, and when I say practice, I mean my hashtag legal practice, quite an increase in a number of bloggers coming to us and saying, somebody wants to buy my website. And I know a lot of other website owners are now starting businesses with the hope that they ultimately will be acquired. So I'd love to talk a little bit about your process and how, let's start with how you find businesses for acquisition. There's there's a, a few different ways. Um, you know, I guess either we're aggressive with it, where we go out and we're looking for businesses to acquire, or what's happened uh, recently is just we we're sitting back running our business and someone comes knocking at the door and says, hey, I've got this. And you know the acquisition happens that way. So if we're going out and we're hunting for businesses, one of the places we start is Flippa, which you know we ha- honestly, you know, we haven't acquired any businesses through Flippa, but it's great just to get ideas for what's out there. So we know what to, what to be looking for. And there's a lot of blogs on Flippa that are for sale. There's a few uh, SaaS products out there, software as a service. And there's a lot of garbage on Flippa. You'll find, you know, sites that they'll show they have, you know, so much revenue and so much profit, but when you look at it, they've been running for six weeks. So, <laughs> you know, we're definitely looking for something that's proven in the long term, not just a fly-by-night operation. So Flippa's great if you're ever, you know, just sitting there bored and you think, what business do I want to start up this weekend or this month? It's a good place to go and take a look. Kind of taking a, a step up from Flippa is a brokerage service that we keep an eye on called Quiet Like Brokerage. You know, definitely more serious sites there. And this is where we kind of, we can really understand the the types of sites that are out there and what they're being valued at and what the potential is for them. These sites are quite often six-figure deals. Occasionally, we'll find one that might be listed for five figures. And the really nice looking ones, we stop looking when we see their seven-figure you know, for sales on them. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's definitely you know, a lot of fun to, to go through there and just to see what other people are doing. But like I said before, most of, actually all of our sales so far have been coming through just networking, just 
Maybe someone comes to you and says, hey, I'm looking to get out. And you say, oh, I know someone that might be interested in acquiring you know, your business or your assets. So that's where we've, we've picked up everything so far is just by, by knowing people. Networking is everything. <laughs> you sure never, is. you never know who you're going to talk to or who they're going to know. Or I'm such mm-hmm. a I'm such a firm believer in that. I it's shocking to me how sometimes people will come back to me six months a year later, and it was just a sort of random conversation we had, and it turns into something. So I fully support the networking. <laughs> but I have a question. So you mentioned you mentioned a couple of things when you were talking about how you viewed these two services in particular. One of the things you mentioned was long term. You want you want a business that has a proven track record. How typically, if you're looking at a business that you may acquire, is there a specific length of time you want to see that they've been in business or does that vary? Uh, it totally varies. We were looking at a service that, what, what were they doing? They were making um, Snapchat filters. So if you were hosting an event, like let's just say the type A parent conference, and if we weren't a digital marketing agency, we had no idea how to do this. We would go to this company and say, hey, we want a, a Snapchat filter um, set up for our event. And this company would create the filter for us. Or is it a lens? I don't know. Whatever it is. And um, set up the geofence. And that was their service, right? Well, I cannot expect to go to a service like that and look for five years of revenue because I don't think Snapchat was around five years ago. You know, So it definitely varies on just based on what is the actual product or service that's being, um, that's being sold. But we want to see like most of the time, at least a year, because I want to know what, what are your, your, the seasonality of it? You know, what, what is your Q4 going to look like? If you started in February and you're looking to get out in September, one of two things, either it's a great opportunity because you're a consumer product and don't realize what Q4 is going to bring, um, (laughs) or we just pass on it because it's not enough data to look at. When we're looking to acquire a business, we also have to look at how we're getting out of it. And we need enough data to understand what the future is going to bring. And that's based on the past. I I totally agree. I think a lot of people, when they're thinking about either buying assets or a business or selling, they don't think about what the return on that investment is going to be or how you're going to get your money back. And so that's an important, that's a really important factor. And I, I want to come back to that. But the one other thing I want to chat about is you talked about, you know, these six figure, five figure, seven figure deals that you see on this quiet light brokerage that you mentioned. And that's just an example, but how negotiable do you find that a lot of these businesses are? Is it they're steadfast in how much they're, they ask for, do you find there's a lot of give and take? I think it's very specific to the seller's circumstances. So if the seller is looking to, who knows, maybe they the seller just got engaged and they need to finance their wedding and they're just done with this site, then you can negotiate a little bit. But if the site is on, running on autopilot and the seller is just like, you know what, I, I think someone else can take this to another level. So I'll, they'll put it up for sale. But if it never sells, then they're going to sit back and collect, you know, three to five grand a month. They're going to be less likely to negotiate because if, if it's on autopilot, they just are going to sit back and collect a check. So it really depends on the circumstances, but also always negotiate. You know, everyone's going to start and they say, okay, I want whatever, 180,000 for my site. I'm going to list it for 210 or 220. Um, you know, always make sure that you uh, negotiate these offers. So really it's 
it's all about the questions, right? So what yeah. what kind what kinds of questions will you typically ask if you're considering potentially looking into a business or even making an offer? Yeah, I mean, we take an, a, an initial just look at the the seller, the owner, and the business. So that's just you know a look that anyone can do just by looking at you know Facebook pages, the the general website. We're looking at the reputation. What's if they have a, a better business bureau? rating, we're going to look at that. Just look at what people are saying about the, the asset that you're about to purchase. And then if we're if we're interested, we actually we have an acquisition questionnaire that is ever evolving. It seems every time we talk to someone, as we ask follow-up questions, some of those follow-up questions end up as part of the initial questions. It's a couple pages long, maybe three or four pages long, and we send it to the seller and we say, you know, these are the questions that we want to go over on our next phone call, but some of them are pretty in depth. So we give them, a, you know, a couple of weeks to put together their answers and such. And we just say, when you've answered all these and you're comfortable talking to us, then set up a time and we're going to talk. You know, some of it is just uh, general questions about the business. Uh, it makes a big difference on just how is the business structured? Um, there, there might be times where you have someone saying, I want to sell the business and you find out they own 20% of it. Well, then, we have to start talking to other people as well. One of the things, you know, we, t- we talk to businesses that there's times that we don't really know what the business is. So give us an elevator pitch. You could tell a lot about, I guess, the, the, the future of the business uh, just by how the, the owner pitches it. If, if they pitch it with confidence, then, you know, you can kind of feel good that this, this business does have a future. But if they're kind of wishy-washy on it, then there's probably something that's going on that you might want to take, you know, a closer look at all these numbers and everything, because it just, if they're a wishy-washy answer means that there's something wrong. And then I just want to know what's the history. How did the business start? Um, how did you get here where you are today? Who are your competitors and what is your competition? Which, you know, a lot of people think are the same things, right? That my competitors are X, Y, Z. Well, your competition can be, I don't know, there, there could be competition from the federal government because they can bring out some regulations that completely destroy what you're doing. Um, there could be competitions within, you know, if, if you live by Google, you also die by Google. And I've <laughs> run, I, I ran a website that, you know, was, was pretty healthy until my Google AdWords account got shut down. And there goes all my traffic, all my revenue. Understand what the competition is. And a lot of times just why is the owner looking to sell? That can explain a lot. Like I mentioned before, if it's the site's on autopilot and they're looking to sell, it's a little bit different than if the um, site owner is working 40, 50 hours a week and they're looking to sell. So those are some of the general questions that I'm going to ask in that questionnaire. And then, you know, revenue. Um, we, we mentioned before about the, you know, past revenue. I like to know three years worth and you can, with three years, you can typically see, um, at least the businesses that we're dealing with where they probably started or bottomed out and where they peaked as well. And then from the business owner, what do you think the next three years would look like? And when looking at both revenue and expenses, point out unusual activity, right? That you had this revenue, but 80% of it came from one client. If you're talking about like a, a software as a service, or you had all this revenue, but we struck a deal with this media partner and we had a great Q4, and that's why 2016 was so much higher than 2017. So we want to know about those those I guess unusual points and both money coming in and money going out. Let, let me oh. ask you a question about the the forecasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of people struggle in putting together a forecast. How much of that forecast? How important is the forecast to you, and, and what do you want to see in that kind of for in a forecast, like a financial forecast? 
I want to see that they're being realistic. If I look at it and you're like, oh, so, you know, the first year we did 100,000 and the second year we did 120 and the third year we did 180 or this year we're going to do 180 and next year we're forecasted to do 420,000. You're like, eh, probably not, <laughs> right? Um, you're, you're probably not going to get that jump. And if you were, why are you selling the business right now? I want to see that. And it almost lets us understand how much the, the business owner understands about just business in general, which... I don't know. I don't know if I'm giving away a secret here, but if 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 I look at it and you can't put together a forecast, then I can probably strong iron you a little bit more in negotiations. And I know yeah, that's you're a, right. Not a not a nice thing to say, but this is business. Yes. Yes, I agree. I see it a lot. I think that's really true. The other thing I, I noticed that you said, which I think is so important, and people don't realize this is business structure. I love mm-hmm. that you touched on that. A lot of people frequently don't look at their business structures or take on too many partners. And they also don't protect their intellectual property. And I'm going to assume as someone who's purchasing uh, businesses that are frequently based on intellectual property, that's a question you also ask is, do you own your trademarks? Do you own your copyrights? Have you protected them? Yeah. And the important thing there is that if, if you went in and bought a business and then found out that this business is only in existence because of a patent, and you bought the business and you didn't buy the patent, you're kind of screwed. Or you buy this business that the name is well known and, and such. And when all said and done, you don't own the trademark to that name. So sure, you have a business and all the processes and procedures and client base and such, but you have to rename it. That also is going to really hurt you. You you definitely want to look at those things. Um, business structure, I think the biggest thing there is just understanding who you're dealing with, that it, make sure you're talking to the person that has the right to sell the business. And beyond that, you know, when, when you're when you're looking at to to buy the business, understand you know what's been promised. Is there is there phantom equity out there where someone doesn't actually own part of the business, but when it's sold, they're going to receive some of the I guess the, the distributions from it. It's just important to know everyone who is involved or has been promised anything. Do you have any deal breakers that during the process you'll hear and you'll just know immediately? Nope, that's this isn't going to work. Oh man. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily something that I hear, but you, you totally have to trust your gut, right? That there's there's something to that. I could be talking to someone and just turns out they're they're back crazy. I'm like, you know what? I don't even want to continue down this road. I'm trying to think some of the deals that we turned down. There was there was one that it involved marijuana and mm-hmm. which is becoming more and more legal. But you know, you're putting your name to this as well. And I don't have an opinion on it one way or another. But it just as soon as we heard that, I'm like, you know what, that's not a business I want to deal with. And not only the reputation with it, but I don't want to sit there and have to fight the the laws going into it. So I would say trust your gut. There's don't rush into anything. There are plenty of opportunities out there. And if there's not, then just if you if you're sitting on extra cash and you're like, I want to buy a business and you can't find something, then go out and buy a, a three year CD or sorry, a three month CD. And <laughs> then it gives you 90 days to think about it. And you're not going to you know force yourself to do something stupid. I think that's phenomenal advice. It's actually some I'm I'm speaking at the Type A conference in September, as I'm sure Eric knows. And one of the things I'm talking about is some of the things I've learned during my time in business. And trusting your gut is one of them. I could not agree with that more. Sometimes you just know and you, right. you have to trust in yourself that you've done the research and that your gut is telling you. So what will what are some of the things that make you say yes? Not necessarily a deal breaker, but at the end of the day, what is some other things that may make you say no? Okay, so if a deal just gets 
way too complicated when um, there was a particular deal we were, we were looking at. And, you know, we were, it was funny because it was an industry we had no idea about whatsoever. Um, but when we were talking to them, there were just so many cooks in that kitchen and we couldn't figure out who owned what percentage of it and who was promised what on an exit. And then when we were buying in, what percentage were we even buying in at? You know, were we buying 100% of this business or were we buying 100% from the person that was selling to us and we we're going to end up owning 12% of it? So sometimes when it just gets too complicated and when the person you're talking to can't give you a straight answer, that's a good idea just to get up and walk away. If we understand how an industry works or not, that could actually make a big difference. So from what we've been purchasing so far, it's been related to the, we'll say, influencer marketing, content marketing, um, some affiliate, uh, but that general space, right? So last year, we were talking with a group and this this guy had a, just a bunch of interests in different projects. And he was outlining all the different projects to us. And one of them was an airplane fleet maintenance business, which if you know Rachel and I, we have absolutely no knowledge of this whatsoever. So actually, I would say we took a crash course, but that poor wording with airplane fleet maintenance. <laughs> we, um, we, we learned quite a bit in a very short period of time about you know the whole industry, um, downloaded some white papers, which I'm still getting email follow-ups on. And you know, we, when we sat back and looked at it, um, it was like, you know, this is just so far outside of our scope that we're going to end up passing on it. And then I mentioned earlier, you know, why is the owner looking to get out? If the owner, and sometimes they'll, they'll flat out tell you, you know, that, oh, I used to rank number one, or um, there's just increased competition and I'm not getting the, the sales as before. We look at that and is that something we can fix? Or is that something that's just a general sign of the particular niche that this um, business is in? And when we look at it, you know, we talk going back to revenue expenses, that's something that Rachel and I kind of split up, right? That generally she'll look at the revenue side of things and I look at expenses and if she says, you know, Eric, I can come in and increase revenue by 3x or heck, sometimes even 15%. And I look at their expenses and see, oh, they're paying you know, five grand a month for hosting. I've run enterprise systems on $600 a month. I know I can decrease the expenses. That's a good opportunity to get in or, or not. You know, same thing. If we look at it and there's just no wiggle room, if someone's already come in and optimized both revenue and expenses, you know, that's not really a good opportunity for us. In those situations, the owner knows, you know, generally that 3x um, number where we're looking to somehow get our money back in three years. If everything's optimized, it could take us three to four years to get our money back. If it's not optimized, we could come in, purchase the assets or the business and optimize it and get our money back in, you know, 14 months, maybe. So if somebody's listening, we've, we've given so much information, so much incredible information. And I think like really easy, easy to digest. Like you give some really good stuff that people can walk away with. What if someone listening does want to sell their business either to you or maybe some other means? What are what is your advice to them about what they should do? Get your ducks in a row. And by that, I mean, you know, I told everyone what we're looking at just from an outside perspective. You should already be doing this, but Google your name, Google your business name. Look at, I mean, I assume that everyone's looking at their Facebook page, but I've seen businesses out there that their Facebook page is just nothing but customer complaints. I'm not saying delete all those customer complaints, but address them. Make sure that you're on top of things because those are the things that I'm going to see. And get your books in line. Make sure everything's cleaned up. So I 
owned my own agency for years, I think. Well, my daughter's 13, so at least 13 years. And I, on there, I have a line item that says personal expenses because I know that when I grab my business credit card and use it for a personal item, I'm going to you know, charge it back as personal expenses. You can't bury that in other parts of the books. Um, first of all, the IRS doesn't like it when you do that. But if we come in and look at it and start questioning why you're you know, advertising your expenses so high and you say, oh, because I you know, went to Best Buy and bought a TV. And I'm like, well, that's not really an advertising expense. Make sure your books are clean. Understand where your customers are coming from. Understand all of your analytics. If you're a software as a service company, you should already know what your customer acquisition cost is and your lifetime value of a customer. And know that historically as well. And you look at your customer acquisition cost, if you've only been in business for three months, then you're still getting those, I think they're called pity buyers, where you launch that service and all your friends and family sign up for it. Well, maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe not all of them, but you know some of them do, which really screws up those numbers. So understand what those are. If you're dealing with a physical product, understand what your supply chain is, what the risks are to that. Be able to answer just about anything from any question about your business. Or if you have partners, please talk to them and let them know that you're going down this road so that you're not going to um, spring it on them. When you look at your site, if you say, okay, I think I can get you know 25,000 for this or 30,000 for it, then Flippa is fine to go to. They, they do charge some percentage on top, obviously, to actually sell the site. I think you could even get somebody, you know how like Kickstarter have people that their job is to market your Kickstarter listing. Sure, there's people that could help you with your Flippa listing. And if not, go to Flippa, look at completed deals and see what are they showing. And what information did they give to entice more bidders? If you're looking, if you think that you're going to be selling for over 50,000 into six figures, Quiet Lake Brokerage, or there's a couple other, FE International is another good one. Go to their site and just talk to those people. They'll give you plenty of information as well. Um, you can also email me. You can just hit me up at eric at rustbuilt.com. And I'll just ask you some prelim preliminary questions. And, um, you know, based on that information, I'll, I can point you in the right direction. Say either, you know, go talk to FE International or um, here's my full questionnaire, which timing is a big thing. If you hit us up right now and we, I would say just because it's happened in the last year, but we just purchased two companies. So we're not looking to purchase one right now. But, you know, come you know, maybe later this year, early next year, when we're ready to start going out to acquire another business, if you hit us up that then, we'd be probably more likely to um, continue those conversations, which could make a big difference in price too. And finally, get a good lawyer. Um, a good lawyer can, I don't know, spot a lot of things that you might overlook. They'll be brutally honest with you, which is extremely helpful. There's times where, especially if you're looking to buy something, um, you just look at everything and you ignore everything that's bad and you only see the good stuff. So your lawyer will be able to help you, you know, point out all the problems that you might be getting into. I will never ever argue with someone who says find a good lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and you said that unsolicited, just so everybody yeah. knows. Eric, you gave us some phenomenal information. Thank you so much. We do a couple quick rapid fire questions at the end. Will you will you answer a few of our questions? They're I'll pretty easy, we think. Awesome. All right, Eric. Are you a coffee or tea person? Coffee. Ah, oh, yes. And what's your favorite book? The Alchemist. I love that book. Our producer loves that book too, actually. There you go, Don. There's your shout out. <sighs> what was the first thing you did to celebrate success in your business? Um, so 
can I, this is a quick answer. Yeah, that's okay. Um, well, my quick answer is I went back to the pool, <laughs> but I, so the longer answer is, um, this is an affiliate marketing story. Actually, I was on vacation and uh, running my, one of my affiliate sites and I was selling online backup software and for the commercial sales, they were paying a 40% commission. And I was at, I was at the pool with my kids down in Florida. Um, we're just on vacation. I'm like, well, everyone's situated. I'm going to go upstairs back to the room and work for a little bit. And I went back to my room and opened up my laptop and saw that I made a $10,000 sale, which at 40% commission was a $4,000 commission. And I closed my laptop and went back to the pool. (laughs) It is a great story. I love it. Do you have a word for the year? Oh, um, intentional, because I feel like when you're doing something that you should be doing it with intent, you should be doing it for a reason. Um, so you know, maybe your intent is to relax. So you're going to sit there and watch TV. But if you're sitting there watching TV and you realize that that's not helping you get to your, your yearly goals, then stop doing that thing and do something intentional. I like it. Apple or PC? PC. <sighs> Eric, you had me until this question. I'm just kidding. There's no judgment on my end. There, there's a long story behind that too, but PC. <laughs> You, you could definitely talk to Don about that because he is the PC guy of, of this podcast. Well, actually, I'm actually the minority. I am the, the sole Mac person of this podcast, I should say. Danielle is also a PC person. But I stand, I stand strong. Now tell everyone where they can find you. Well, let's see. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Eric Nagel. And occasionally I'll clear out my inbox and tweet a whole bunch of useful things. That was last Friday. Um, or just find me at rustbuilt.com. That's our our lovely website. Probably the best place to find me. Unless you want to see a, a glimpse into my personal life, you can catch me on Instagram at ericnagel716. With all of your cool races, which I love following personally. Thanks. Because I'm a huge fan. I love those races. They're awesome. Yeah. Eric, thank you again. This was such amazing information. We really appreciate you taking the time. And I'm excited to see you in September. Yeah, we'll see you in September. Thanks for having me. That was so good. And now I just want to create lots of random businesses and try to sell them to Eric. That's totally what he wants, right? We need to post them on the websites he was talking about. We'll just throw up random website, random uh, businesses and see if he wants to buy them. I think he'd be (laughs) very irritated by us. (laughs) No, because they're going to be genius. It's true. It's true. We we come up with a lot of really good business ideas on a day-to-day basis. We just don't have the time to do them. How many emails do you get? Danielle shower thought. Yeah. Business idea. I'm like, that's a great idea for someone else. (laughs) We would love to hear from everyone in the HQ about either the business you would love to acquire or the great, amazing business idea you've had, but are never going to (laughs) execute. We have both. So you can find us at businesses.com slash HQ. And if you want the show notes for today's episode, visit businessease.com slash episode 44. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Business Ease Influencer Marketing Podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. If you like the podcast, we'd love if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews help new listeners find us. If you have any questions, you can email us at questions at businessease.com. We'd really love to hang out with you in our Facebook group, the Business Ease HQ. To join, visit businessease.com 
slash HQ. We want to give a big thank you to our producer, Don Jackson of the Raven Media Group, for making us sound so very good. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.